Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 19 through 25, the Gospel according to John, chapter 10, verse 1 through 10, and Psalm 23. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, Courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I love sad songs so much. Like, I like songs that are just really depressing. I like to listen to music that makes you cry. I like music that's about heartache. Uh, If it's about death, that's great. Um, Anything that's just really sort of filled with sorrow and makes you go, what's even the point? That's my jam. I want to sit in that. You know, when I was, uh, many of you when you were growing up, it was records, it was LPs. Some of the people who are growing up now, of course, it's, it's just on your phone and a streaming service. I grew up in that wonderful time called the 80s with the magical advancement of CDs. And if you had a good CD player, you could just hit the button uh, repeat and it would just play that one song over and over and over again. And I would sit there and just hit repeat on one song and I would just soak up the sadness and the sorrow and be like, yeah. Do I like being sad? No, not really. Nobody likes being sad, right? Like we all prefer if we could just be happy and joyful and not experience any sorrow, we wouldn't want to suffer at all. We know that. We don't want to suffer at all. Sad songs don't actually make you sad, okay? Sad songs are wonderful because they actually allow you a space for your sadness that already exists. It allows a place for your sadness to be. One of the things that happens with us when we are in, when we're suffering, when we're in pain, when we're in sorrow, is we turn sort of inward and we feel like we're all alone. There's a deep loneliness in being sad. There's this sense that there's, there's just us. There's nobody else. No one, and we've all had this sort of like, no one has ever felt the way that I feel right now. I feel that like once a week. But you can't listen to music and feel that way because you can say, oh, I'm the only one, and then you hear a song that sings this and you go, oh, I'm not alone in it. I'm not the only one who's ever felt this way. I am not alone. I think that's a great gift. I think it's a great gift for us when we are suffering when we are sad, when we are overcome, it is a great gift for us to be reminded that we are not the only ones who have ever felt this way. The writer James Baldwin once said something to the effect of, I used to think I was the only one who felt that way until I picked up a book. And one of the reasons he became a writer is because it was from reading other people's experiences that he realized he was not alone in the pain that he experienced in life. And this, to him, was great comfort. 
we have a very strange relationship with suffering. In that we all suffer and we all wish that we didn't have to suffer at all. But it gets stranger. Even though we all suffer, whenever we suffer, we tend to think that this is just me. Suffering somehow turns us inward and makes us feel like it's just us. And we have this experience of being alone. Even though intellectually every single person here knows that there's not a person in the world who hasn't suffered, when you are the one who is experiencing pain and suffering, genuinely you feel like there is nothing else, there is no one else. I'm even like this when I get sick. If I have a cold, I'm the only person who's ever had a cold in the history of the world. Right? But you know this feeling that we have. You know this sense of solitude that was uninvited. This sense of no one else gets it. I, I, I have this sense that it's just me. Everybody experiences that, and that's what's funny. This is the funny thing about suffering. We all think that we know that everyone has it, but whenever we have it, we feel completely and utterly alone. Hopelessness is real, friends. We are continuing this week, throughout this season, we are continuing to focus specifically on the epistle readings, the readings of, uh, of 1 Peter. And in this part that we heard today, Peter is talking directly to these Christians, reminding them that Jesus is present even, bless you, even in their suffering. This is important because the people who are following Jesus are suffering for it. It's not just about a broken heart or a sniffle or a bad diagnosis. It's a complete loss of the life they had before. It is that their decision to follow Jesus has become a stumbling block for the people around them, has become an obstacle in their relationships with people that they have loved and known, and has made their lives, made them targets of the government. They are targets for persecution, arrest, torture, and murder by virtue of their decision to follow Jesus. And Jesus says as much. Jesus says throughout his teachings, following me is like picking up your own cross, Following me is drinking the cup from which I drink. And following me will not make your life easier. And deep down, we know this is true. But we don't like it. So we move in a different direction if we, and we avoid suffering at all costs. We structure our lives as much as possible so as not to suffer. And we'll even worship convenience as sort of an idol that, because convenience sort of gives us the illusion that we don't have to suffer if we can just get the right technology and figure out the right system. But the reality is, we can construct all sorts of stories, we can tell all ourselves all sorts of stories about how if we just live right, we won't suffer. But deep in our hearts, we know this is not true. Did you all know that many scholars believe that the book of Job was actually the earliest text or the earliest story told in the Hebrew faith? Job. 
Not in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The story about the good guy to whom bad things happened, that was the first story told. Why? Because since the beginning of time, since there were people, there was suffering. And since there was people, there were people who, since we were a people at all, there was some sense that there's some greater thing out there at work. And if that's true, if there's some greater thing out there at work and I'm suffering, then the question comes, why? And to that degree, the book of Job is actually a great gift because it never answers the question. Job never says why. Job is like one big sad song. This horrible lament, these bad things are happening to me. And then all the friends show up and go, well, you probably did something stupid and deserved it. And then God shows up and goes, Job didn't do anything to deserve this. And they were like, then why did it happen? And God goes, I got to go. <laughs> but we have this sense that we're alone. And as Christians, many of us have even been taught some, uh, well, really toxic theology that we, we can avoid suffering if we live right. We can experience prosperity and goodness and blessing if we live right. And suffering and hard times are for those who are not walking with God. I would invite Christians who believe that to read the text from today. Because Peter says, if you are walking with God, you will experience suffering. Jesus does not explain it. Jesus does not either tell us how to avoid suffering or tell us exactly the purpose of the suffering. Instead, what Jesus does is suffer with us. And it is to this suffering that our writer points today. Rather than saying, if you follow Jesus, you don't have to suffer, our writer says, when you're suffering, you are with Jesus, who suffers too. Well, this is very important, because the language of our scripture sort of says, Jesus suffered on our behalf, he died for our sins, and we could take that to mean, because Jesus suffered, we don't have to. He took that from us, so we don't have to deal with that. But the reality is that Jesus' suffering and death liberates us from our solitude and loneliness and draws us into the awareness that we are never alone. That in our suffering, we are not alone. It goes further because the truth that we know is that there is no way to love in this world without suffering. That true love brings great joy and comfort, and true love also agitates you and terrifies you. It is love for others that breaks our hearts open and love for others that leaves us shuddering in fear. What does this mean? It is love for others that empowers us and emboldens us to be our best selves. And it is love for others that makes us vulnerable. 
It is love for this world that causes us to re-engage, to let go of cynicism, and to work together to bring to bear the love and the justice of God's kingdom. And it is love for this world that keeps us from disengaging from the suffering of those that we see. In Jesus' suffering, it says we are made whole. I don't believe that means that suffering is a good thing. And I'm not going to try to convince everyone here to go away being like, can't wait to suffer now that I've heard that sermon. I know that's not how this works. None of us wants to experience pain and sorrow. None of us wants a broken heart. But I want us I want our eyes to be opened to the reality that it is a major part of our lives and that that is not bad. And that suffering is a major part of our lives and that is not a time in our lives when God is not present. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God has not forsaken us. And I would pray that when we are baptized, the waters of baptism would wash away any idea that we are alone and would clear our eyes so we could see God's presence more fully in every part of our being. We could see God's presence not only in the places of joy, not only in the places of plenty, of, of fullness and, and, and pure, unadulterated happiness. I want us to be able to see God's presence in our brokenness, in our sorrow, in our sadness. And by the way, not just as someone who comes and solves the problem. And you, friends, I have to tell myself that as much as anyone else. I am a problem solver. I am that awful husband who when my wife has something to complain about, I'm like, well, you know, if you did this, which has been comforting to her approximately zero times, <laughs> and yet I persist. Because I want to fix, right? It's not, it's not like I just want to fix. I just want it to be right. And I want it to fix. I want a problem to solve. Oh, and then everything is even and nice and clean. And we can move on. And so I even want Jesus to just be a problem solver. I want his coming here and his living and his suffering and his dying and his resurrection all to just be about the problems that are solved by it. Oh, he did that so we can be freed from our sins and he did that so we could go to heaven and he did that so we'd know how to live. And then Jesus is just one big problem solver when the reality is one of the greatest gifts Jesus gives us is simply living life with us. Allowing us to share in the reality that we are not alone. This is what redemption feels like. Redemption is the reminder that we are always and ever in God's sight. And he's not watching from afar with binoculars. God is right alongside us, present. God is suffering too. God knows sorrow and pain. That's, I think, why I like the sad songs. I like being with someone else when I feel that way. And I like the permission 
to be sad. I like the permission for my heart to acknowledge the pain that this world brings because it does. I don't want to shortcut that. And I don't think Jesus wants you to either. We're afraid sometimes that if we acknowledge our sadness, we will not have hope. But I do not believe that that's true. I believe that when we are permitted to experience sorrow and we find out that we are not alone in it, but that God and those we love are with us in it, that we are given great hope, that we are renewed, we have resilient souls that are awakened to the reality of this world and that the love that is the strength of this whole world, that it envelops us and carries us through. God is with us. God is with us not despite our suffering, but in it. And God is with us not just to solve the problems, but simply to honor, to hallow, to make holy every aspect of our lives. Wherever you go, God is there. In Jesus' name.